You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. A reminder to us this morning, I know this is a shock to some of you, but there is a, an election coming up this week. Um, kind of, I know you're taken aback by that, but uh, I think it is important to remember um, in these seasons uh, of what God has called us to, regardless of what happens Tuesday or when they finally uh, figure out who all the votes are counted and whether we have a new president or an incumbent president, uh, and they already are starting about 2024 and who's going to run and all these things, the, the follower of Christ, the responsibility does not change. It just doesn't. Just so you know, we're not voting for a king and we're not voting for a savior because we already have one. Um, so let me give you two, two, two quick verses to guide you this week. Uh, I think they're important for us. First is in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul giving, that's me, teaching pastor, yes. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Here's what Paul says to the Thessalonians. He says, I want you to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instruct. Why? So that we may walk properly before outsiders, be dependent on no one. I think that would be a great application for some of us this week. Mind your business, work hard, hush, so that you have a good testimony. All right? Here's the second one. First Timothy 2. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all in higher positions. Remember who the king is when he is writing this. It is a man named Nero who is killing Christians. He says, pray for him. Why? So that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified. In essence, so that we may do this. I mean, really, I got a prayer request last night from one of our missionaries in Europe and in England that England is shut down and says all churches cannot meet. And they're praying, what should we do? Bill, Bill Schweitzer is here just a few weeks ago. You guys saw him, right? Uh, d- don't misunderstand me. I think elections are important. They have consequences. And on this ballot, religious liberty, whether you know it or not, and I don't know how well, much you know about what's going on and what's under the radar, what we do and how we preach the Bible will, if the things continue, be illegal. I can tell you that. So just understand some of the things that we believe and hold to because of scripture. But so those things are on the ballot. But in the end, our responsibility is what? Pray for the leaders so that we can do this. And we want to do this as long as we can. And if God takes that away, maybe it'll be good for the church. I don't know. That's his deal. Our job is to be faithful. So let me pray. We'll jump in our text. Uh, Father, we pray for our nation who has, we have, uh, we're sinful in many ways, deep, deep ways. We have called what is evil, good. Um, we have rejected truth. We have affirmed that which is wrong. And so we pray that you would have mercy on us, that we would be continued to allow to do this openly, publicly, unashamedly. Uh, pray for whoever you appoint and you ordain to be the leader for the next four years for our country, and whether it's in Congress for two, Senate for six, president for four, whatever, governors, mayors, city councilmen, you uh, turn the hearts of men and women like water. And so uh, we trust you and we worship you. And so help us to be faithful even when no one else is. I pray for our time in your word. Help me to be clear. Help me to be encouraging. Help me to point people to you that, you, that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what I pray. Uh, I can't do that on my own because I am sinful and wretched and don't belong up here. Uh, only you do. And so help me. For Christ's name's sake, I pray. Amen. Thanks. You guys have a seat. And we are going to be in uh, 1 Tim- First Timothy, First John chapter 5. 
Speaking of our uh, constitutional republic, which is what we live in, by the way, not a democracy, we live in a republic, constitutional republic. Um, One of our founders, Benjamin Franklin, said this after the constitution was established. Our new constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency. Right? So he's hopeful. Maybe it'll be permanent. But then this famous line that we all, you know, usually hear now. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except for death and taxes. I would add, if he was living today, uh, and the fact that Georgia-Philadelphia teams will always let you down, that's a certainty. But he wasn't alive, so uh, the reality is you're going to pay taxes and you're going to die. I'll let Tuesday deal with the first right? The taxes piece. But what do we do about the reality of that one day our life will end? How do we handle that? How do we face that truth if if the Lord Jesus doesn't come back? That is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, We've been talking about many, many topics that you may know this, that you may know that, you may know this, as John has been teaching these group of people uh, back in Ephesus. Today, his topic, it's a biggie, that you may know eternal life. That you may know eternal life. So we're going to look at verses 6 through 13 in chapter five. The idea of eternity, I don't know if you've ever just kind of thought of eternity. It's just one of those concepts that as much as you think about it, you cannot get your arms around it. I mean, you can get a little bit of it, you can get a piece of it, but to get your arms wrapped around of something that is eternal. And I I hearken my days back to 10th grade geometry. I got any math teachers in here? Raise your hand if you're a math teacher. You go, I got a couple. I got one math teacher. There we go. Good. So I had a geometry teacher first, first uh, hour. Um, I, I, there's some geometry figures or whatever they're called that are helpful in this topic. And if I get this wrong, math teachers, I don't really care because you can't grade me. I'm not your student. But here we go. Okay, remember this from, from geometry. There's something called a segment or a line segment, right? It is, it's got two points, a start and an end in essence, and that's it. This is what some people believe is true of you. There's a start, there's an end, and then there's nothing, right? It's just, there's just nothing. This is what maybe an atheist would believe. This is an evolutionary worldview that you don't really have purpose and meaning. You're not made in the image of God. You just are whatever, you're here, and then you're gone, poof, over, done, right? That, that, that is not a biblical worldview, but that is the worldview of some people. Then you have, remember this, a line. Remember the line? The line has the arrow because it goes on forever that way, and it goes on forever that way. It's, it's kind of infinite. There's only one that this represents. That is God. He is eternity past, which try to think about that. Try to think about that. Just go back for eternity. Go back a trillion years, and God has still always been can't understand it, right? Good. If you say I can understand it, you lie because you can't. It's just beyond you. That's God. Here's, here's us. We are a ray. Remember this? There's a starting point. That would be your birthday. The big red dot, that's your birthday. For me, April 19th, 1974. Boom. That's my birthday. And then you will live forever. You will go on forever. You have a starting point, but you don't have an ending point. Not eternally. I mean, your physical life, yes, 80, 90, 100, whatever years will end, but, but there is an eternity for you. Uh, and the question is this. There's only, there's only a couple uh, people or things that, that fall into that ray category. People, angels, angels are created beings, and dogs. All dogs live forever. 
Cats do not, all right? But dogs do. Dogs go to heaven, okay? Um, that, that's it, really. And so the question we're going to answer today, really, in any kind of terms, is what are you going to do with your ray? Where's your ray going to be? Because God wants you to know where your ray is going to be. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to have eternal life that God desires for all to come to repentance. And, and the key verse in this book, remember, we talked about it, chapter 5, verse 13, we're going to see today. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Oh, is it up there? No, it's not. One more. There you go. That you may know that you have eternal life, that your ray is going to be with God forever. That's what he wants us to know, right? Okay, of all of our that you may knows, and we've done a lot, this is our 12th, this is kind of a biggie, probably the biggest, all right? You might want to put a little check mark by this one, right? All the other ones are important because they're God's word, but this one's a big, big one, that you may know where you'll live forever. Big one, all right? Because I don't know if you understand this, eternity it's a really, really long time. Actually, it's not, it's not a really, really real long time. It's all time. And I, I was trying to think of a way. I mean, this is my little PE brain. How can I illustrate this in a way that we kind of, I know we can't get it completely. How can I illustrate it a little bit? And I remember uh, Francis Chan, his pastor, used to be a pastor in California, and I was a missionary. He, he did this illustration, and I said, I'm going to snake that. So I gave him the credit. It was Francis Chan, but I think it's helpful, right? And so imagine this rope here. Today is like, I go, I'm harking back to high school days. Geometry, I got some PE going. We're going to have fun today, right? All right, so um, this rope is time. It's eternity. And I'm, this is only a 50-foot rope because they don't make an infinite rope, okay? I, I didn't see one on eBay or anything. So, but this rope, imagine this rope is time and the end of that rope, it goes all the way around the earth. It only goes 50 feet, but imagine it goes all, all the way around the earth. You know how many miles that is? Who knows how many miles it is all the way around the earth? We had somebody in first service, who knows? You guys, man, you got an extra hour of sleep. Come on, guess, what do you think? 3,000 miles, no, but good close. 5,000? No, okay, I'll tell you because we don't have all day. It is 24,000 plus miles, almost 25,000 miles around all the way around the earth. So picture this rope, is pictures eternity, goes all the way around the earth, 25,000 miles. And this little red part right here, this is your life. Okay, that's pretty small. This, this is your life. I'm not saying it's insignificant because here's what, here's what you need to grasp. What you do in this little red part is going to determine all of this. And if I did this for 25,000 miles, we would be very bored. <laughs> okay, it would take a while. And so what we want to see, I'm going to not try to trip, is how do we make sure that our ray is with God. That's what we're going to talk about today. Because God wants you to know, and I want you to know, and John wants you to know. Let me read our text of scripture, and we will uh, then talk about it. Verse 6 through 13. This is he, and it's talking about Jesus. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the, the spirit is the one who testifies, because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. 
Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe, God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is a, the end there's a little bit clear, but the beginning is a little challenging, right? You're like, what is all this, the witness of blood and the, 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 what is all going on there? It's one of the, if not the most challenging of the passages in this letter, right? It's the most debated. Remember, everything in the Bible is equally true. Not everything is equally clear, right? Some things are difficult to understand. Even Peter says that about Paul. Um, And so, Here's what's going on in essence in this first part where he's saying this is the testimony that God has given us. I mean, uh, there's three who came by water, Jesus, water, blood. That's, that's kind of tough. Um, here's what he's saying, right? He is the conclusion is there's Jesus. He is the son in him is life. That is the conclusion. What he's doing in this beginning part is answering the question, well, why should I listen to Jesus? Why should I believe that he is the Christ. I mean, we got all sorts of religions. We got all sorts of experts. We got rabbis, teachers, PhDs, experts, scientists. Why should I look to Jesus for life and not all these other places? And so what John is gonna do is he is going to basically call witnesses to the stand. You see this word, testimony, testimonies, uh, bear witness. All the, it's the same Greek word, kind of different, different tense. But he's, he's, pointing, he's calling witnesses to the stand to say, this is, is who Jesus is. This is why he offers life. And they all agree. They all agree, right? Uh, and, and most of them are pretty clear who they are. It's pretty clear who the spirit is, right? The, the two that are kind of the most confusing are the water and the blood. That's where the debate kind of lies. What does that mean? It's, they, it's obvious that they're all pointing to Jesus. It's not what they're pointing to. It's how they're pointing, Right? And so I want to work through these things very simplistically and kind of highlight these five. He's actually going to give five witnesses because in that day, one witness, it was he said, she said, didn't count in court. Two, you could have corroborated your stories. Three witnesses were required for something to be established. So John is going to go above and beyond three. He's going to give you five because he's an overachiever. Right? So let me give you these. And let me, let me kind of, first of all, the, the, kind of deal with the, a little bit of the confusion. There's different views on what water and blood are. Let me give you a couple of the options that are out there that may be true, and then I'll tell you which one I think it is. Some say when he says the water and the blood are, are witnesses of who Jesus is, some say that that is talking about Lord's Supper and baptism, right? Which do point to Jesus, right? That's possible. Others would say that water and blood is a reference to his birth because, you know, at birth, the water breaks. There's also some blood. So we're talking about the incarnation. A nuanced view of that is that his water is his birth and the blood is his death, okay? That's possible. Some see it as a reference to when, when Jesus has died on the cross. He has said it is finished. He breathed his last. And then the Roman stabs him in his side, pierces his heart, and water and blood come out. And so they say, well, it's a reference to that. Okay, it's possible. I don't think those are what he's talking about, but they are possible. They still all point to Jesus. Here's what I think, and I'm 63.7% sure of it. Right? Here's what I think witness number one is when we're talking about the water. I think we're talking about the baptism of John the Baptist of Jesus. Okay, remember what happens? John is baptizing in the Jordan River. Jesus walks up, he wades into the water, and what does John say? Behold, the Lamb of God, who what? 
takes away the sin of the world. He starts walking towards John. Remember, John is his cousin. He's like, cuz, what are you doing? He's like, I want you to baptize me. He's like, I'm pretty sure this is not for you. This is for sinners. Jesus says, allow it for now. He baptizes Jesus. Immediately, the heavens crack open. The spirit descends on him. And there's a booming voice from heaven. This is my son. And everyone's like, man, I've been to some baptisms. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Right? The, The baptism of Jesus points to him being the son of God. It points to him giving life. Why? Why does Jesus even get baptized? Because John's right. He doesn't, he's, a, he's not a sinner because Jesus is identifying with sinners. It's not only the beginning of his ministry, which is that is true as well. He is identifying with those he came to save. So how does the baptism of Jesus point to life? Because he comes to save sinners. That's the water. What is the blood? Obviously, blood is significant in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's so, ang- he's so troubled in his spirit. He's sweating drops of blood. He's taken by the Sanhedrin. He is beaten to a pulp. His face is marred to the point where you don't recognize who he is. There's blood. A crown of thorns on his head. There's blood. His back is shredded with the cat and nine tails. There's blood. His hands and feet are pierced to a Roman cross. There is blood. And then when he says it is finished, he gives up his spirit. After only six hours, crucifixion usually takes days to die. And so they're gonna kill all three men on the crosses because it's a high festival and the Jews want them off the cross because they don't want it defiled. And so they, they, they crush the legs of the man on his right. They crush the legs of the man on his left so that they would die quickly. They would suffocate and they come to Jesus and he's already dead which is significant because the lamb, the Passover lamb was not to be broken. It was prophesied that the lamb of God would not be broken. And so they don't break his legs, but they do check. They stab him and the blood and the water come out and he is already dead. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is a reference to the cross, to the sacrifice of Jesus. You wanna know how there's life? Look to his baptism and look to the cross. You want to know that he is the son of God? Look to his baptism. What does the Roman centurion say? Surely this man was the son of God. The third witness is the Holy Spirit. This one's pretty clear, right? This is the one who came by blood. Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the spirit is the one who testifies. The Holy Spirit who speaks what? Truth. Spirit can't lie. Spirit only leads in truth. Spirit only speaks truth. And if you're here and you're, and you're like, I don't know if I believe all of Jesus and I don't know, I don't, I don't know, there's all these things. If you are intellectually honest and, and seek with humility to know the truth, the spirit will lead you to one conclusion, that Jesus is the son of God, right? Because that's what he does. And, and Jesus' entire life is a testimony to the spirit, his incarnation, the virgin birth, because of the spirit, his life where he rejoiced in the spirit. He was led by the spirit. He resisted temptation by the spirit. He healed, he walked on water, he fed 5,000, he read men's thoughts, he rose people from the dead, all by the spirit. Even the resurrection was by the spirit. His life is testified to by the Holy Spirit, who now, what does the spirit do? He opens your eyes to the gospel. He gives you this book, the only perfect thing on this earth that is from him, That's what the spirit does because the spirit testifies to who Jesus is and that there is life in him. That's witness number three. Witness number four is kind of more implied. 
doesn't mention it, but it's John himself, right? I mean, John's writing it. If John knew this wasn't true, why would he be writing this? But remember, no one knew Jesus like John. He was his cousin. He was in his inner three community group inside the 12. He was the one of the three that was on the mountain of transfiguration when, when, the, when his glorified body saw a glorified Christ. He was in the upper room. He was leaning against Jesus at the Last Supper. He was the only one at the cross. He was one of the first ones to see Jesus' uh, empty tomb. He saw Jesus ascend into heaven. And he wrote in his gospel, the whole reason I wrote this book, the whole reason, there's so many signs, so many things Jesus did in the presence of his disciples that I didn't even write in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that he is the Christ, the son of God, and by believing have life. And then he saw him, by the way, at the end of his life on the island of Patmos, he's exiled there, he's an old man, and Jesus shows up again and says, write these things down. This is what's going to happen. John is a witness to these things. You wanna know life? You wanna know who he is? Ask John. And then... You got the water, you got the blood, you got the spirit, you got John. And then he's going to bring in his star witness. You know, it's kind of like that courtroom drama, you know, you're, you know, you're getting towards the end of the movie or you can't handle the truth or something like that, right? And he saved his best witness for last. The one that's going to slam dunk the case, right? Remember, it's like, you know, you've seen movies like this. Remember the old miracle on 34th Street and Santa's on trial and they're like, we're gonna send Santa away, you know? And what does his lawyer do? He brings in the post office in essence and says, the post office delivers all these letters to him. That means the post office says he's Santa, which means period, you know, end of story. And the judge is like, you know, dismissed. And that's, that's the slam dunk. John is gonna bring in his, his star witness. And who is it? In walks God the Father, True or false? God the Father is the only one and what he says matters. True. This is an easy test today. Geometry, true, false, you know, ropes. This is pretty easy, right? What the Father says is the only thing that matters. Where are you gonna go higher than the maker of heaven and earth, right? And so in walks the Father. What does it say? If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God, that is God the Father, is greater for this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning his son. Verse 10 is parenthetical. He just says, whoever believes the son of God has the testimony in himself already. Whoever does not believe God has made God a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. He's saying, if you deny this testimony, then you deny God the father and there's, that's not a good thing, right? If you believe, then you already have the testimony in yourself. But, but what, is, what, what is God the father saying about the son? We already saw the baptism this is my son. The writer of the Hebrews says, who else does God say to accept to his son? You are my son. Today I've begotten thee. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Who else does God say that about? Nobody. What is he saying about his son? He sent prophets. He's given up his word. He sent his forerunner. He's given us his spirit. It's a megaphone that we would not miss his son. All the witnesses agree on who his son is, the father, John, the spirit, the blood, the baptism. And they're all saying one thing. They're all singing the same song, the same tune. Here it is, verse 11. This is the whole point of what he's saying. This is the testimony that God, the spirit, the water, the father, that John is saying that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Now that first part, blood, water, that may be kind of unclear. This part is not. It's pretty clear. 
God gave us life. This life is in his son. You have the son, you have life. You do not have the son, you do not have life. Right? That's it. And let me highlight, let me highlight four things to you about eternal life, just from this passage. I want you to, to grasp it. Right? This is not a lot of go do, go be, go this. This is just the point of the book, what God wants his people to know about eternal life. Here's the first thing. Eternal life is a gift. What does he say? Whoever, God has given us that he gave us eternal life, right? This is the testimony. God gave us eternal life. Eternal life is a gift. It is not something you, you go get. It is not something you've earned. It is not a wage. It is a gift, and a gift is, is someone gives it to you because of grace. So most of us have jobs or have had jobs before and you get a paycheck on the first of the month or the, every other week or you know, every other Thursday and whether it's a check or a direct deposit, when you, when you get that thing and you're, you don't go into your boss's office and you're like, y'all did it again. You gave me money. Thank you. I just don't understand why you keep giving me money. Can I give you a hug? Can I write a thank you note? Can I get you some coffee? No, because that's your wage. That's what you earned, right? And if that is not there and your direct deposit's not there on Tuesday like it's supposed to, what do you do? You go into that boss's office and say, where's my money? Because you earned it. Eternal life is not a reward that you have earned. It is a gift that God offers. It is by grace you have been saved. It is through faith. It is a gift, right? So that you can't boast. So you can't get here and be like, man, tell me your story. Man, I was good. I was a pastor. I did this. I prayed. I did, did, did. No, no, you can't get there and do that. It's all a gift. That's significant. And this is why Christianity is different from every other religion in the world because every other religion in the world, you know what the solution is? The solution is you. Be good, get better, perform, self-help, self-actualization, self-esteem, whatever. Go to Mecca, pay more money, pay off your karmic debt, you know, become a rattlesnake into a tree, into a, you know, whatever, until you finally get there. You are the solution. In Christianity, Jesus is the solution. You perform or he performed. That's it. And he offers a gift. That's the first thing you need to know. Second thing is this. What is eternal life? I think some of us, when we hear eternal life, what we think of is, I'll die, I go to heaven, I'm issued my harp, and I sit there and I play, how great thou art on my harp. Okay, that is not eternal life. And you do not have to play the harp in heaven. If you want to play the harp, I'm sure you're allowed. But there is not like mandatory choir and band in heaven where everyone has to learn how great thou art on the harp. Okay? Eternal life is, if eternal life is just something that's off there, then it's only for dead people. Eternal life is not just heaven. Eternal life, this is important, is knowing God. That's eternal life. You say, where do you get that bill? I get it from Jesus. The night before he dies, he says this. He's praying. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given. And this is eternal life. Here's your definition. That they may know you, 
the one, the only true God and Jesus the Messiah, whom you've sent. Eternal life is not a place. It is a person. It is knowing God the Father through God the Son by the Holy Spirit. That is eternal life. And it starts the day you come to know him. It doesn't start when you die. It doesn't start out there. It starts the day you know Christ. It is not just a duration of your life. It is the quality of your life. And it's a relationship that starts here. And then one day when your body dies or he comes back, the location changes. Heaven is only heaven because Jesus is there. So eternal life is a relationship with God through Christ. You gotta know that. It's not just go off in heaven, right? So it is a gift, it is knowing God, and it comes, and this is controversial, but it is true, exclusively through Christ. Exclusively. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. You wanna know if you have life? You have him. If you do not have him, you don't have almost heaven. You don't have go to purgatory. Somebody pay you out, pray you out. No, no. You have Jesus and you have life. You do not have Jesus and you have eternal separation from him in a place called hell. Understand this. Everybody will live forever. Everybody has a ray. I mean, your body will physically die, but you will spend eternity, you'll spend all this time somewhere. Everybody, right? Everybody. And so he says, do you want want to have life? It comes only through Christ. And I know some people, that is extremely, especially in our culture, offensive. And I would say, I understand that, but don't shoot the messenger. This is what the father says. This is what God, the heavenly father says. This is what Jesus himself said. I am the way. No one gets to the father except through me. And, and I'm not saying we should go out to Forsyth Park and hold up signs and, and be obnoxious and yell at people. But I think there is sometimes a time to be very uh, graciously pointed because I think it does get attention. I read a, a story about a Methodist preacher named Peter Cartwright. Uh, he was a uh, preaching on a Sunday and the president at the time who's Andrew Jackson announced that he was going to visit Peter Cartwright's church and he was a fiery guy and so his elders begged him they pleaded with him please don't offend the president of the United States of America right and so Peter Cartwright got up to speak and he says I understand that President Jackson is uh, with us this morning and I've been requested to be very guarded in my remarks so let me say this up front Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he does not repent of his sins. <laughs> and at the end, I don't know if anyone heard anything else he said, and I would not approach it that way, but this is a different time maybe. After the service, Andrew Jackson came up to him and met him at the door and shaked his hand vigorously and said, sir, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could conquer the world. I don't know Andrew Jackson's heart. I don't know Peter Cartwright's heart, but, I, but there is a time and, and it's, God, the Holy Spirit has to lead it. Where, where we, we don't try to pander to people, that we speak the truth in love. And we ask for God to open doors for that opportunity. We don't open the door, we ask God to open the door and we speak the truth about eternity. It is heaven if you have the son, it is not. If you do not. He who has the son has life and everything that goes with it. That is the truth. He who does not has eternal separation in a horrible place 
the Bible calls hell, and Jesus spoke of it more than anyone else. So it is a gift. It is a knowledge and a knowing of God. Um, it is something that is uh, eternal, something, a place that we will be. It is exclusively through Christ. And the last thing is this. It is knowable now. I think this is significant. You can know that you have it now. I don't, I don't know how, how much you caught as I was reading this, and I'm hoping as we teach through books of the Bible and you kind of catch some of the things that I highlight, that you're realizing that the tenses of verbs matter when you're studying the Bible. And, and he constantly in this text uses what's called the present tense, right? So he says, whoever has present tense, the son has present tense right now, life. Whoever does not have right now, the son does not have right now, life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know right now, present tense, that you have right now eternal life. Eternal life is something, if it's a relationship, if it's a gift, that you can know that you have it right now with assurance, with certainty. Let me illustrate it this way. This is my other illustration. This is more my PE. Who can catch? Anyone can catch? Oh, you guys are too close. I got to test my arm. Okay, no, there's a, there's a thing right there. I can't do that. All right, I'll try to, I'll, I got you, Maddie. Okay, I'm gonna, Brenna, duck, please. All right, catch this, please. Oh, that's a duck. All right, good. Okay, so there you go, Matthew. <laughs> Very good, biology major, folks. There you go, okay. How sure are you, Matthew, that you're holding that ball right now? Why are you 100%? It's in your hands. You have it right now, are you sure? You're biology major, University of Georgia. Are you sure you have that in your, okay, good. Throw it back, very good. Let's see if I can catch it. Look at that. That was a much better spiral. Mine was a Kentucky. His was a Georgia. Okay. 14 to three. Still pitiful. Okay. Just saying. All right. He knew he had the football in his hands. Why? Because it's there. I can, I'm certain right now I am holding this football. It's not different with eternal life. How certain are you? Well, do you have the son? He who has the son has right now the son has right now the life. The only difference is you can't throw the ball back. You can't get rid of it because once it's yours, it's always yours, right? That's what he wants you to know. Do you have the son? You're like, well, I don't know. What does that look like in my life? We've been talking about that for 11 weeks. So go back and listen to the series. Love God, love people, obey his commandments is basically the, the gist, the summary of the last 13, 11 weeks. But God wants you to know because he doesn't want you walking around worried. Did I do enough? Did I have enough? Have I lost my salvation? I fell, I did this. He wants you to find security because the enemy does not want you to be encouraged that you are secure in Christ. He wants you to think that God's love is conditional and that there is something that can separate you from the love of God in Christ. And Christ, God wants you to know there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Once you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. Now, do we go back sometimes? Uh, yeah, of course because we're not yet glorified, but one day we will be. And some of you are worried and you're praying to Jesus in your heart again and again and again, did it take, did it take, did it take, did it take? And you have to come to a place where you trust what he has said. You, you guys understand trust? You sat down, I said this morning, please take a seat. What did you do? You weren't like, I don't know. This might not work. You sat right down, you put all your trust, all your faith, all your belief in that chair and you didn't worry a bit. That's what God is asking you to do in his son. And it will hold. More reliable than that chair. And those chairs are pretty strong. We pay top a notch. Million up and downs, I told you before, or tested. That's what he's asking. 
He who has the son has the life. Kind of two thoughts as we close. I mean, that, that's the point of the book. That's the point of the passage. Let me speak quickly to two different folks, right? Whether it's online, we've got a bunch of folks in video venue in this room. If you have the son, I want you to think about this. It's not, it's not in the text, but I think this is a good application. If this is your life, and this is eternity, 25,000 miles, why are we so worried about oh, that little thing right there? I gotta save, 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 save so I can have fun right there. Oh, and we lost the football game. Ah, do you think that matters? I know you got a C on your test and you're all strung out. In the big scheme of things, do you think that C matters? It, it, it just really doesn't. So, and another thing is, why are we spending so much effort trying to be comfy, 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 happy, 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 when, when, this, when this determines, all this determines how, we, how this is. When Jesus says, store up treasure here, look for this, live for this. This is why Paul says, man, I am focused. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, I press on, I look forward, I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Because we're, we're living for the end right here. When you will stand before Jesus, and he says, well done. Enter into the joy of your master. The joy of your master. 25,000 miles. Joy. Better than anything you can fathom here. Here's the other thought for us that are followers. Everybody you know will live somewhere in this. Which gives some urgency to the message of the gospel. It just does. I mean, I think we should be more diligent about praying for our lost friends and our lost neighbors that they would, we'd have opportunities to say, hey man, I'd love for you to come to church or come to community group. I'd love for you to, for to hear my story and how God changed my life. Just opportunities to point people to Christ. They're out there. The, the harvest is plentiful, Jesus says. It's just the workers are so few that we would be seeking to opportunities to point people towards Jesus. You can't convince anybody. You can't argue somebody in, let me just tell you, but you can pray for them and pray God would open a door for the word that you may speak forth the mystery of Christ, as Peter says. I think that's something we should be doing more, right? And, and be thinking about that because eternity is a long time to be separated from God. And there's only one person from the Bible that speaks from separation from God in eternity. He don't even know his name. His name is Rich Man. And he, all, the only thing he can say is, please go warn my brothers so they don't have to come here. That's, that's what they're saying, right? Here's, here's the, for those of you who may be kind of seeking or you have questions, you're not there yet, you, you're not convinced, I'm so thankful that you would even watch this or come and be with us. Here's what I would say. Don't wait, because right, I know, especially young people, I know they've got a lot of young folks, 22. Well, I'll do that when I'm, young, I'm older. I'll do that when I'm 50 or 60 towards the end of my life. Right now, I just want to live my life and do my thing. Okay, I get that it seems like that. For, there's a couple of false uh, narratives there. Number one, you have no clue when the end is. Number two, you assume that you'll be interested then. This, if the Spirit is striving with you now, do not harden your heart, the writer to Hebrews says, because you don't know how long he will strive with you. Today, if you hear his voice, if there's a tug, you're like, yeah. Do not harden your heart. Don't respond to the light that God has given you and he'll get more light, he'll get more. But don't wait because again, actually my illustration is flawed. I said, you know, eternity is 25,000 miles. That's actually not true. 
Once you've gone through the whole 25,000 miles, you know what eternity is? It hasn't started yet. Do you realize that? You're no closer to the end than you were in the beginning. And once you go around the world a million times and a trillion times and a billion times, eternity has not yet begun, folks. That is eternity. That's why it's like beyond us. But that's why this is important. But it's not everything. Do you have the sun? And if you do, we're taking him to the world. That's what we're being commanded to do. Why don't you stand? We'll pray and we'll sing and respond and think about this. And if you have questions or you want prayer, we have a prayer team in the hall. We'd love to talk with you. Uh, we'd love to point you uh, towards the Savior. Let me pray. Father, thank you for revealing your son to us. I thank you for your goodness in the gospel. This is a simple message, but one that's so significant uh, and one that you desire for all men to hear because you desire all men to come to repentance. And so uh, I pray that you would open eyes, that you would move hearts, that you would affirm and assure those who have questions. Uh, we don't want anyone to get to the end and hear, uh, I never knew you. And so that's our heart as a church. So it's Christ's name we pray.